0: Welcome back to the Race Forward Pod. This is your host, Lydia Igwe. Opportunities for inclusiveness and championing diversity are enormous, and we can all play our part in making the world around us inclusive. Today's guest has over 20 years of experience working in international recruitment organizations, with over 10 years serving as board director. He is a member of the 30% Club, contributing to the global campaign to increase gender diversity at board and senior management levels. Being a TLA Black Women in Tech advocate and 2021 judge for the We Are The City Rising Star Awards, his drive for gender and racial inclusion is unmistakable. He draws inspiration from his daughter and is intentional in pushing for gender and racial equality. Today, we speak with Richard Pickard. Richard is the founder of the mission-driven, award-winning recruitment firm Inclusive Search. Richard, what an honour to have you on the pod today. How are you? Hi, Lydia. So to kick off, tell me about Inclusive Search and your motivation for starting it. Well, I've
1: been a recruiter in London for over 20 years. I've worked for four international recruitment firms. I've spent the last 10 years working at board director and CEO level. And then three years ago, I launched my own recruitment business called Inclusive Search. Basically, what I do, I provide recruitment search services. So in other words, rather than downloading CVs off a database of people who are actively trying to find the new job, I take on an assignment. And then through research, I map a market to identify all the people who currently perform a similar job. And I also look for individuals where the assignment that I'm working on could be somebody's next uh, logical career step. And then once I've mapped out a market, I proactively reach out to those people, discuss the opportunity that I've got. And then from the people that are interested, I select a shortlist to present to my client. And then they begin their interview and selection process. Uh, I think reasons behind it I've got a 22-year-old daughter who's mixed race. And I think as most dads with daughters do, at some point in their life, they start thinking, my goodness, what a terrible world it would be if she faced barriers in her career because of her gender, or in my daughter's case, also her race. And then as I became more educated on race and gender inequality, I actually realized that it was highly likely that she was going to face these barriers. And so I became determined to do something about it. So I started off by joining the 30% Club and I started hosting monthly business breakfasts where I would hire a restaurant. Um, I'd get together a group of business leaders and we'd discuss diversity issues and what efforts they were making to create change within their own organizations. And I'd always invite a sensational woman speaker from the 30% Club, and these ladies were just phenomenally inspirational. People like Tamara Box, the uh, Emir managing partner for the law firm Reed Smith. I was just blown away by the power of the argument that we should all be working towards equality versus the realism that most organizations at best were making tiny incremental improvements that wouldn't produce any meaningful change. I also realized that as a white middle-aged man, I needed to get other white middle-aged men talking about these issues. I saw that there was very, very passionate women in the cause, but I think groups of women telling groups of other women how brilliant women are, I think that only gets you so far when you're trying to create change in what fundamentally is a unfairly male dominated business world so I started thinking about what could I do as a recruiter to create some change and I realized that one of the biggest blockers to create in diverse companies is that the majority of new hires into management are white men I think sometimes that's because leaders just unconsciously feel more comfortable hiring talent that looks like themselves But I think also in most markets, uh, there'll just always be a deeper talent pool of competent white men. It's just because of history. More white men have been working in those jobs, more white men work in those jobs now, and there's more white men coming up behind them. So it's always going to take a lot more time and effort to identify all the diverse candidates who could do those jobs. I decided that I would sign up for that. But I also realized that you can't really deliver that remit as part of a large recruitment organization, there's too many mouths to feed and fundamentally your revenue and your profit just drives everything. And so having a strategy which is, I want to take longer and work harder just so that I can recruit against a rigid set of values, it just doesn't make commercial sense in in an organization of that size. So I decided to go my own way and create my own business that would just allow me to focus very specifically on that equality mission. Now I only work with clients who are committed to recruiting diverse talent. And to be fair, the data's in. I mean, we know now diverse companies commercially outperform their non-diverse competitors. Where you're operating in an environment where there's a huge number of unknowns. And let's face it, in a pandemic world, that's all the time having lots of different experience around the table is a really good thing. And I believe that cognitive diversity is essential when it comes to innovation and problem solving. Plus, geez, it's 2021. (laughs) So it's kind of the right thing to do, right?
0: Exactly. Definitely makes sense. And that's a really interesting backstory. Clearly, some personal motivation. And clearly, it makes sense, you know, economically, and it's something that you're passionate about. So that's really good. And terms of finding out the background to that and I suppose my next question is around you know some of these problems that you've mentioned surrounding diversity in the workplace so how does inclusive search tackle some of these problems
1: it's not easy Uh, so I mean the first part is it's a lot of it's about networking and relationship building so I spend literally hours every day just getting to know more and more diverse candidates. I also support dozens and dozens of top 50 lists and annual awards where people are spotlighting great work that diverse candidates are doing. And so I use that also as an opportunity to not just shine a light, but also to get to know really good people. I'm an advocate for organizations like Black Women in Tech. I'm a judge for Rising Star Awards. I'm a mentor to many diverse candidates myself. I also publish an interview series on LinkedIn. So it's called Exceptional Female Role Models. And every month I interview three or four just really, really inspirational ladies. Sometimes ladies who are in their forties and have obviously already made it. But a lot of the time I talk to black women in tech, I'll talk to entrepreneurial women that are in their mid-20s and might inspire somebody who's still at uni or in their early 20s. And all we do in those interviews is we we talk about race, we talk about gender, we talk about inequality, we talk about the the journeys that people have had and their lived experience. I just kind of think that storytelling, it's really powerful. So I'm probably not a typical recruiter. I don't spend my day trying to win new business. Uh, I spend my day trying to get to know more and more diverse people. And the idea being that when a client comes to me, I probably already have relationships with some of the people that we'd want to engage with.
0: That sounds like you're very proactive. (laughs) And in terms of your core objectives... You say that you provide your clients access to the highest quality, diverse candidates in the market, particularly gender, ethnicity and LGBT. How are you able to achieve this?
1: I think probably working every role as though it's the first time I've seen it is really important. So doing it as an, uh, an individual bespoke project. So the, the, the tendency in recruitment is that you're, you're always going to try and find the quickest and easiest route to earning a fee. That just makes commercial sense. But again, because the historic talent pools that exist in business are largely white and male, if you're always trying to be the fastest and the simplest, you're probably going to produce a lot of white male shortlists. So you you just have to be prepared to spend a lot of time searching for diverse talent. So I treat every instruction as though I've never worked anything similar to that before. I begin from a, a clean slate and I accurately map everybody who is working in that marketplace. And then probably the thing that is really different is knowing that in that talent pool, it probably is 80 or 90% white and male. I then start to think about what is the brief for the job and who else has got the transferable skills looking for the reasons why we could develop somebody. I think that's something that, again, I've learned through the interview process that I've been doing with exceptional female role models is one of the biggest blockers seems to be uh, lots of people believing that they have to have 100% of the criteria for a role and that it has to be written down on paper. I think the, the honest truth is you probably can get by with 75 or 80% of the things that are required and so long as you have got a real hunger to learn and you're a good team fit and you're creative and you've got great personality and energy and work ethic that can probably get you the other 15 20%. So I'm I'm looking for people that are diverse who maybe only have 80% of the things on the brief but I can sell them into my client as these are the reasons why this person should be considered. It also gives me a really good understanding of exactly how diverse any candidate pool is so if I map accurately a whole market and there literally is 95% white men doing this then I can talk in a more educated way to my clients so that I'm just talking accurately and historically uh, probably about 75 to 8% of the candidates that I put forward are female and a large percentage of my candidates are black or brown as well
0: Okay, and why do you think it's important to treat every client instruction as an individual bespoke project?
1: I just believe that if if all you're going to do is download CVs off a database, largely what you end up doing is keyword searching. And so a client gives you a job description. There are some very specific keywords in there. You then put that through almost like a Google search, and as I say, the majority of um, results that that search is going to produce, they're going to be white and male. And also, there's just no there's there's no ability in that for you to sort of think about well, who, who would be the person that I could take from doing this job and move them into this job, or who could I maybe switch from a different sector into a new sector? But there is something transferable about it. You know, it might be a new regulated tech sector. So I might be able to move somebody from a regulated banking job who wants to leave a corporate life and move more into an entrepreneurial tech type life. But the computer probably isn't going to give me that match. Because if I'm looking for somebody who works in tech, it's probably just going to give me tech type people. So that individual project based way of looking at it, it's it's really, really useful, it produces the best results, but it just takes a lot longer, which is why not many people do it.
0: So it's quality for you over quantity, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So two thirds of FTSE 100 companies have all white executive leadership and just 3.5% of senior executives come from a Bain background. Do you think the work you're doing will help companies become more diverse? Uh,
1: so my goal is to bring diverse talent to the door and where possible to influence their hiring decisions by highlighting all the reasons why my candidates could succeed in a role. It is fundamental that companies have diverse shortlists to consider, and that absolutely could help them become more diverse. But the solution to the problem goes way beyond what I can impact as a recruiter. I mean, fundamentally, uh, the leaders of their boards, their chair, their CEO, they need to personally set diversity as a priority at board level and um, without you know a, a chair's commitment to and a belief in the benefits of diverse teams uh, it's going to be really difficult to achieve you know any any success in this space champions of change they can drive greater diversity uh, large block shareholders that they could demand that companies uh, disclose, for example, the steps that they're taking to create better diversity. We probably need companies' clients to demand that their professional partners look like more of a cross section of the region that they operate in. Imagine if a client insisted that their their lawyer must be black or that their whole banking team must be female. But I think it's critical that leaders understand uh, the role that they play in uh, setting the tone for diversity within their organisations. And slightly controversially, I think diversity should be linked to management appraisal and progression. Uh, If you as a leader, if you're not managing a diverse team, if you're not developing diverse talent, then I think that should be unacceptable. And I think it should be a blocker against your ability to um, get promoted further. And if you wanted to be incredibly brave, you'd even link diverse management and diverse progression to leaders' annual bonuses. And then you might really see some impact.
0: (laughs) I'm sure we would. And research from Stonewall and YouGov revealed almost one in five LGBT people looking for work are not discriminated against because of their sexual orientation and gender identity. What do you think needs to change so everyone can feel comfortable in the labour market?
1: To be honest with you, it probably strays outside of my personal area of expertise, but I, I'll give you a quick opinion. I, I'm not an expert in inclusion, but I do believe that inclusion is if it's not just as important as diverse recruitment, it's probably more important than just diverse recruitment. Uh, the, the idea of hiring uh, a number of diverse candidates and then having those people feel like they are other in your organization is crazy, but it is often what's happening. I mean, it goes without saying that any form of discrimination should be unacceptable. But again, I I, I think leaders you know, they need to be really intentional. So sure, you know, do some unconscious bias and bystander training, but you've got to do an awful lot more than that. So, I mean, I think employee networks are a good start, building robust support networks for women, for BAME, for LGBT, for people with disabilities. It's a good first step, especially if those networks are given a voice right up to the executive level. I think companies... They probably should design some sort of mechanism where every few months they are doing a temperature check with employees. And one of the questions that they should be grading people on is, I can be myself at work. And looking at the detailed response coming back from that, I think diverse junior members of staff, they should immediately be getting teamed up with senior members of staff who are responsible for creating them sponsorship. Uh, mentorship, reverse mentorship programs. I think every new joiner at induction level, they should be told the firm has a zero tolerance policy around discrimination. Every exit interview, the person should be asked, have you experienced or seen discrimination in the firm? And I think it should be publicized when leadership finds that it has to deal with incidents of discrimination I think that should be publicly shared as to, as, as to how those incidents of discrimination have been dealt with. So uh, there, there are a few ideas, but as I say, I, I wouldn't call myself an inclusion expert. I'm, I'm more on the recruitment side.
0: Some really good ideas, I think, though, and if actually employers took even just some of those and activated, I'm sure they would see a difference. The research also showed that one in 10 employees who identify as LGBT So they didn't get a promotion that they were up for in the past year. Do you think it is the culture of companies that need to change or do you believe it's more profound?
1: I think similar to my last answer. I believe there's a big difference between hiring some diverse talent and genuinely creating cultural change that celebrates everybody's difference and sees that difference as essential to the organization's success. And I think that's the journey that we're on. This shouldn't be about ticking boxes. It should be about celebrating differences and seeing those as essential. I think leaders need to constantly reinforce that equality is their key priority. I think senior leadership needs to appraise and target their management teams on achieving diverse candidate development and promotion. I think that's essential. Uh, I think it comes from the top. But I mean, the, the, the honest truth is you need structural change. You, you're not going to uh, d and committee or diverse recruit your way out of a fairly toxic culture or culture that has any element of systemic discrimination. It, it needs leaders to drive this from the top.
0: Absolutely. And inclusive search helps to get women into the workplace. But women only hold 9.7% of executive positions in the FTSE 100 company, which is still shocking, to be honest. But Mm. can your company help women get into top jobs in the UK?
1: I I can help towards that solution. So I, I, I work hard to bring diverse talent to the door, but I still do need companies to go through the change required to make diverse hiring a real priority for them. So I agree 100%. Uh, some progress has been made, but it's slow progress. But I'd also argue that y- y- you know, there, there is one stat, which is how many hold the top executive positions. But I'm, I'm probably as concerned with businesses getting a, a whole pipeline of diverse talent coming up through their ranks. I, I think about it really you know, more as a five to 10-year plan is I, I don't really want one token diverse hire on the board. What I'm much more interested in is middle management, senior management, strategic roles, and that will actually naturally feed through to the board. If we if we can fill middle and senior management with diverse candidates, then some of those candidates will get promoted through to the board. So I probably think of it slightly differently. I agree that the progress is slow, but I'm actually as if not more interested in trying to build that whole pipeline of talent rather than just having one token higher on the board
0: yeah absolutely makes sense thank you so much for this insightful interview have you got any final words i suppose or strategies or advice for organizations around inclusive recruitment or anything else
1: i think just a word to encourage even more men to become allies to me Gender equality isn't a female issue and race equality isn't a person of colours issue. You know, that whole process of getting buy in and support from people outside of the group, you know, that's been an ally. And I see equality as a leadership opportunity and men and often white men hold most leadership positions in the world at the moment. So they have a unique opportunity to take action and to drive change. And I think we need to find, or I think men need to find and act on their own motivations for achieving equality. You know, we need actions that are going to support shifts in attitude and behaviour. Uh, we need leaders to clearly articulate how equality is core to their organization's success. And I'd just like to see more men particularly committing to at least one action that they will take in their own life to advance equality in some way. So, you know, for me, it could be really small things like you ask more questions and you listen and you learn. I think in the workplace, um, male leaders sharpening their situational awareness and becoming more vigilant to the dynamics that are operating in their own workplace. I think that's really important. Being more attuned to comments and to phrases, and pay attention included, who's sitting at the table, who's been interrupted, who's been ignored. But fundamentally, for me, it, it just all comes down to equality. You know, we we want to see fairness in opportunities, fairness in training and development, fairness in appraisal and promotion, and fairness in pay. So I just say, more men, please get involved.
0: There you go. That's a, a good challenge to leave this interview on. And I hope that the listeners today have taken something away. Thank you so much, Richard. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
1: Great to talk to you, Lydia.
0: Thank you for listening to the Race Forward pod. I'm your host, Lydia Igway. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast. Do visit us on social media at Race Pod or visit our website www.raceforwardpod.com. See you in the next episode.